Hey, welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason Odell. And I'm Rick Walker. And uh, it's good to be back once again with all you, our listeners. We're going to talk a little about photography stuff today, like we always do, and holidays coming up. And hope you guys still have some money left in your bank account after last week's episode with all the, <laughs> all the holiday gift ideas. Um, but uh, today we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about some of the uh, recent, uh, well, there was a new Fuji camera announced, the X-T5 from Fujifilm. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk a little bit about that and we're going to, and and you have one, right, Rick? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, yeah, cause you mentioned you upgraded from a, a, mm-hmm. another one uh, and then we'll talk about with another uh, camera in the Fuji line and that is their uh, H uh, X H two S. Um, and it's, it'll just be kind of a little, little walk down things, all things Fuji today. Um, what else are we going to talk about? Well, I think you had some topics that you wanted to discuss regarding um, house cleaning this time of the year when it comes yeah, to camera equipment. Well, and, and then and, and, and before we get things. into that, just a yeah. reminder for people: we still do have a few slots in our infrared workshop in right. Tucson. That's toward the end of February, and that I think is going to be really cool. We, you and I, have been doing a lot of work for it, well, getting ready. And yeah, after we. Uh... After we finish recording our show for today, I'm going to take my Nikon Z6 and ship it off to Kalari Vision for one of their full spectrum conversions, which is something that I had not really wanted to do before just because there were some uh, logistical challenges with the full spectrum conversion. We can talk about some other time. But with with their uh, recent addition of uh, those clip-in filters that go in the lens mount instead of the front, you know, instead of a front filter, it makes the prospect of having a full spectrum camera far more realistic <laughs> because yeah. those filters are tiny um, and you don't have to worry about changing filter sizes with different lenses. And so you can, you can do that. So my 720 nanometer camera is, you know, my holiday gift to myself <laughs> where I spend my money is uh, getting that camera reconverted, which is something, something that you can do. Um, and so we should both have those in time for the uh, Tucson workshop in February, and that'll make it more flexible. Yeah. I've already got mine along with the filters and I, I can vouch for the fact that they, they work well. I'm no, pleased. It's, it's very cool. It's interesting uh, set of options that were right. a so, lot more difficult in the past. So, so I want to talk a little bit about housekeeping and it's on a bunch of several levels. Cause this is the time of year where you usually have some time off. You're taking whether, whether you have vacation time or holiday time, whatever it might be, right. This is we're mm-hmm. getting into that time. And because the holidays are not quite upon us, we just had Thanksgiving here in the U S this is a very good time to go look through your, your gear and clean things up and see if there's stuff that you might want to sell or might want to, you know, downsize, whether it's selling it locally or trading it in at one of the online, you know, retailers, like you can sell to, you know, B and H or K E H or some of these places or, or whatever, but it's not a bad idea to look through things. And, and one, one way that I like to look through stuff, um, you know, there's boxes of things that maybe you haven't used, you know, I've got, <laughs> I'm sure we both have uh, huge kits of things like graduated neutral density filters that yep. we probably don't need anymore, but we still have them, right? I've got a bunch of older memory cards that I'm going to consider cleaning up and and 
and possibly um, selling or whatever, just because I don't, I don't use them. I've moved to the newer format, faster cards. And there's plenty of people out there who, who, you know, don't need the bleeding edge gear. And so your older stuff might just be perfectly good at, or even an upgrade to somebody. So it's something to consider. Um, and when it comes to looking through your, your camera stuff, um, we've talked about it before, but if you use a catalog program like Lightroom or something that has a database, if you go in and look and sort on, you know, particular lenses that you shot with, you know, when you do the, you know, metadata filter mm -hmm. or whatever, you can really take a, a look and see, you know, do I really use some of those lenses that are in my bag? Maybe I got this because I thought I would like it, but then I never ended up really. Or that it might it. spur you to do a certain kind of yeah. photography more. I've certainly, you know, and we've all into that trap. We've all had, had that, you know? And, and so I just actually went and sent some lenses off to um, hopefully get some money for use to, you know, pay for some you know, Nikon acquisition <laughs> syndrome stuff that I had later, <laughs> or pay for this infrared conversion. Anyway, so that, that's a good thing to do. Another thing to do as well is if you are using like, an, you know, this is a great time of year to clean up your image catalog or clean up your, your files. I mean, how many thousands of photos that are extra throwaways that you don't really need? Yeah. Um, you know, especially if the, if the photos are several years old. I mean, I'm not, uh, one, one thing I might do is if you have a good marking filtering system in your, in your catalog database, like you mark things as the keepers and, you know, whatever, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you went on that big trip somewhere and you've got 30 or 40 really great shots from there, but do you need the other 75 or 200? <laughs> Right. You can save space on your disk by, by just by purging them uh, or at least cleaning them out of your catalog. You don't have to throw them away. You don't have to throw the files away. You can just remove them from your catalog. And that sometimes speeds up performance of your database. Yeah. The obvious candidates for those that are really easy to get rid of, in my opinion, are the ones where you shot a long sequence at a high frame rate. Absolutely. And, and you've got 30 or 40 shots that look almost exactly the same, but there was one that was just slightly better in some nuanced way. Keep that one, get rid of the other ones. Those are so easy. It, hey, it becomes harder with other shots. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I mean, even landscape photos that I have, you know, how many times do we take three or four photos of the same scene waiting for that light? And then they get the magical light, you know, or oh, yeah, and yeah. that one that happens. And then you've got a whole bunch of, photos in your early from you know not burst shooting but uh and you can get rid of those or yeah. or, or at least pare some of them down um yeah I, I i do notice that as photographers when we do landscape stuff we do have this propensity to just click the shutter because what else are you going to do while you're standing out there it makes you feel like light? you're doing something <laughs> exactly right <laughs> and but, you never know if it's suddenly going to get worse so for some this, inexplicable reason yeah so this is a great time to, to think about those sorts of things and you know reassess your your gear you know and and consider it and you know it's it's just kind of and then there's other things you hang on to for nostalgic reasons and that's fine too but it's it's not a bad time of the year as we look yeah. back and reflect on the past year see what 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 stuff is in our closet that we may or may not need anymore yeah. anyway let's talk about these fuji cameras yeah. um, i i I had a Fuji X-T1. I still have it. It's infrared now, but I got it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I ended up not using it 
quite as much as I thought it would, but it was a good camera. I didn't dislike the camera. Mm -hmm. I just, uh, it, it had some, some glitches, uh, not glitches. It had some little hiccups with certain features that were not addressed by firmware and then were instead addressed by a new model of camera coming out. And right. I didn't want to keep doing that. So, um, but in general, we both like this system. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Fuji's got a strong lineup. They're pretty much dedicated to APS-C format, although they do have the medium format stuff. We're not going to talk about those today, right. um, which is cool. So the APS-C, you know, the 1.5 crop from FX. And one, so we're going to talk about two cameras. The first one is the brand new X-T5, which you just got. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about a different line within the Fujifilm lineup, and that's the X-H, in this case, the X-H2S. So it's a slightly different line. We'll talk about some similarities, some differences, and sort of big picture stuff with Fuji. Yeah, and, and we'll also touch upon one that I have not used, which is the X-H2, but it's got such similarities with the other two that I think I can talk to that one pretty intelligently. And, and for people who don't own Fuji, who aren't planning on buying Fuji, hopefully there will be some things in here because I think they're in line with trends that we're seeing overall with manufacturers. There's so some, some of the things going on could, could show up in some ways you know, with other brands. There's a philosophical component to this. Yeah, as well, or well, a, a, a vibe, a feel that you get yeah. while you're shooting. And just brief background: I've used the Fuji stuff since they came out with the original X100, mm -hmm. you know, which was more than ten years ago. And I liked it. You know, it had some issues. A lot of their early cameras had issues with firmware maturity, including the one that you mentioned. You know, the XT1, the X Pro One was the same way too. And so while promising, there were just a lot of things that were incomplete. Fuji did a pretty good job upgrading the firmware, you know, and they kind of packaged it in a marketing way saying Kaizen, but it really was this really bad firmware that yeah. really needed to be fixed if they were oh, going to survive as a company. But fortunately they did that and they've evolved their cameras over time. And one of the things I think is interesting about the Fuji system is that Unlike some other brands, Nikon is a pretty good example. Canon is a pretty good example, where for the most part, they kind of make the same camera. They just vary the, the size of it a little bit, what features are in the software, you know, the sensor size and resolution. But a lot of the handling is the same. You know, there's a commonality, and that's not bad it makes it very easy to move between different cameras in their lineups, you know, even going back 10 years, you know, or, or longer, it's still pretty easy. The Fuji's certainly have some common elements, but they vary them a lot more. So, you know, where they've kind of arrived is within their APS-C cameras. They've got a, a several cameras that are, in the rangefinder styling category, some of them even include optical viewfinders in addition to the electronic ones, which is kind of interesting. Those are the X-Pro and X-E line cameras. Mm -hmm. They still do, well, 
they've got the XT lineup, and that's what we're going to talk a lot about today. That's a traditional set of controls in the camera, shutter speed dial on the top, aperture ring around the lens, which is kind of common to all of their cameras. And then they've got the XH line, which they started a while ago, but it kind of fizzled out. And now they've rejuvenated it um, with the XH2 lineup, both the S and the regular model. Um, but they're distinctly different than the XT series. You don't have the retro controls. They're more like controls that you would find on Nikons and Canons. They work very well for action photography uh, in comparison with the XT line, which is really for slower, more methodical photography. You can do both things with both cameras. It just, I'm just telling you what I think they're, they're better suited for in terms of handling and features. But I think the important thing is with the XH line now, that's where you can really program the camera to take advantage of the newer subject recognition um, features that are in the autofocus systems of the XH2 cameras and the XT5. Um, so the XH ones are better able to be configured for that kind of photography. Yeah, and you know I was, how I was just important that pictures. is. And the, the XH2 line really looks a lot like what you would get with the, the Nikons, the Canon. Mm -hmm. You've got, uh, there's no, there's one mode dial on the top, which is on the left side, which you would expect. Then it's got an LCD panel on the top. And all the other controls are, are via... Uh, command dials on the grip or in the back of the camera is and and that's very that's kind of what most mirrorless cameras from the major you know they've they've kind of converged on that design mm -hmm. and there's the xt line right which is handled distinctly different right and and just one little thing that can give you insight into the difference between the cameras is how you switch between continuous autofocus single autofocus or manual and on the xt series the one with the traditional controls it's a traditional switch it's on the front you just flip it it's not hard um, but it also can't be baked into other settings whereas on the xh series it's software mm -hmm. it's a button you press which could be mapped to something else turn a dial and then you get continuous versus single and that means that you can program it in to other settings or with other settings that you might use for uh, wildlife photography or bird photography or train photography or whatever, all yeah. those things that align with the new subject recognition modes. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. Um, I mean, it, it's just good to know. And, and it comes down to preferences and shooting styles and how you, and your subjects. Um, mm -hmm. So let's just go quickly, just, talk about this this new xt5 because it's it's just came out in the last few mm -hmm. months and um or even less than that and um what is interesting about it, what i you know what jumps out at me um it's got a 40 megapixel sensor um again it's yeah. APS-C. that's a lot of resolution for a little mm -hmm. little camera like that all these xt cameras are fairly compact they're not uh tiny but they're they're certainly not you know big and bulky i think the lenses got bigger and bulkier than the cameras do well it depends on which lenses you use because mm -hmm. you know one nice thing is they do have a really good lineup of slower prime lenses 
and they are very compact. So you put one of those on mm-hmm. like the new XT five and it just very pleasant and lightweight and small. And they actually reduced the size of the XT five compared to the XT four. They made it oh, wow. more like the XT three. And it's, it's a little thing if you look at dimensions, but how it feels in your hand is really distinctly different. It just feels more agile and, and it's a bit lighter and it's kind of nice. I have to admit, I prefer it over the X-T4, which is a very competent camera, but um, this just has more charm to it, I think. Yeah. And the 40 megapixel uh, sensor works great. I really, I was kind of expecting it to be, or to feel a little bit more compromised, like, you know, noise might be more of an issue with it, or you might have a whole bunch of pixels, but it, the results wouldn't be all that sharp, especially with a lot of lenses that were a little bit older. I just really haven't had that. It, it seems fine. It seems very natural. I like it. I'm not perceiving a whole lot of negatives with it, frankly. And that's been a pleasant surprise. That's that's cool. Yeah, I'm just sort of pouring over the, the specs right now. And it looks, it looks pretty competent, um, I, as you would expect. I mean, this is now mm-hmm. fifth generation of XT body. Yeah. So they've been doing these and refining them for, for a while. Um, the the I, big deal for me is the autofocus system is really improved. And that's huge. It is huge. And it's not, I'm not really talking about the subject recognition stuff, which is good. And I'm happy that it's added, but I'm talking more fundamental stuff. Problem I had with Fuji's up until several months ago was that if I was just doing something silly, like a static subject and, and, using autofocus, it would fail about 15% of the time. I actually did enough tests that I figured it out. That's not good. No, it was, it was unsettling. And at first it was just a matter of where are these frames so wildly out of focus? You know, I would be focused more or less at infinity. And then the next shot, it would, it would zip down to three feet away and I wouldn't see it. Yikes. Yikes. Um, Not cool. No. So it was, it was just very, odd and it happened with all of their cameras it wasn't one it wasn't my settings other people validated it too but they put out some firmware things updated it much better and then the these newer cameras are a little bit better on top of that too so they're i feel very comfortable using them now which is That's a good, good feeling because i liked a lot of other things right. about them i really did right and you know it's a handling style i mean when i was using my xt1 um, mm-hmm. It was great for landscape shooting, street shooting. I mean, you had to fiddle with dials a little bit more. Not, not really what I wanted to consider an action camera. That's where I found no. it to be a, be a little bit less competent. Um, just, just because you had to controls that you would want to access quickly while shooting, uh, just don't work when you've got dials on the top that you need to to turn. It's it's just a handling thing. It's not a it's not that the camera didn't shoot fast or anything like that. I mean, the XT5 right. looks like it'll shoot uh, uh, twenty frames per second at least. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it's not like you you wouldn't have frame rate issues. Uh, twenty frames per second with the electronic shutter. Um, just depends on if you're shooting RAW or JPEG. There's some limitations with the buffer, but that's that's normal. That's what you would expect from any, any camera like that. Yeah. So uh, that's a, if you think back just a few years, that's a tremendously fast frame rate. The X-H2S will go up to 40. So 
Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's faster and it has one of those stack sensors. Um, so it, it's all about speed. It's about having more video capabilities. The X-T5, you know, the, a good way for me to think about it is, you know, we talked about how pleasant it was in a lot of ways to use the film cameras that we mm -hmm. took with us right. down to New Mexico, at least in terms of the shooting experience. Processing experience, not so great. Right. But the shooting experience, wonderful. Yeah. And, and the X-T5 can pretty much give me that same experience for the most part um, with a bit more flexibility. Um, you know, you because deliberate of a little ISO more adjustments. A little more deliberative settings with mm -hmm. the camera like that. And that's not a bad thing. No. The other thing with the X-T series versus the X-H series has to do with the easy ability of setting up film emulations the way you want them. And some people are really into it. I'm not so much. I can see them being fun at times. I play with them on occasion. But it's the idea of having something that resembles old ectochrome and you can vary you know, how much contrast there is, how strong the color saturation is. Etc., and then have presets that you can just very quickly get to um, with a you know one button and a turn of a dial. On the XH series, you can replicate all those looks, but the problem is if you try to store them, you're also storing all of those subject recognition modes, oh. autofocus modes. So it's not a drive separate... modes. No, they're all intertwined. Oh, okay. And and I'm. I'm sure you can envision it from the things that you've done with the Z9. It just gets messy. No, it, it would. gets very messy. I would get messy very now. And, and I and while I, you know, I have in-camera style settings set up, but that's not really because that's what I use mm -hmm. for, for stuff. I mean, most of my, I think I'm like you. I do most of the looks that I want to achieve. I do on the back end in in post. Right. But I do. But I. But I know with the Nikon cameras and i think the same with the canons that those looks those styles and and nikon's added a whole bunch of weird ones too that i don't even touch right. creative ones right right but but and i think they only work with jpeg but anyway um those are always been a separate thing you have your mm -hmm. shooting settings you know the way your camera is set up to record and and then or you know the control uh the the exposure settings i'll say and mm -hmm. the autofocus settings and whatever but then the look was just independent of that so you right. can use any look with any any combination and personally that's how i prefer it because you you set up to shoot a particular subject or a particular thing with us with exposure settings and then if you want it to look differently you just add that in right and i certainly wouldn't want to do that where everything had to go together so, no no. That's, that's a, it's an interesting decision that they made there. It's uh, a little bit of so, a head scratcher for me. Yeah. So the I think what is good is the idea that they are going after distinctly different customers or shooting experiences with their different lines. Mm -hmm. And and I think you can find compelling things with both. You truly can. Um, I'm having fun with the X-T5. Like I said, I, I like the new sensor i like 
the slightly smaller size and slightly lighter weight. It feels very sturdy and well put together so that it doesn't feel cheap or anything like that. Um, it's, it's a nice camera. The IBIS system that's built into it is a very good one. It's, it's very stable. Um, you know, one thing that's been true with the XT cameras for a while now is if you use them in, with the mechanical shutter, um, which you want to a little bit more with the, this camera than the X-H2S because it doesn't have the stack sensor. Um, it's quiet. It's very refined. It's just a, a little muted um, snick kind of, you know, and mm -hmm. it makes, makes it nice to shoot with. And if you want to go really silent, you can put it in electronic mode. But even the mechanical one is really pretty quiet. People aren't going to notice it if they're, you know, very far away from you. Um, it's not going to be like somewhere they're like machine guns. Um, other things, you know, the viewfinder or EVF is just three point something or other, you know, right around that 3.6 or 7 range. I can't remember, um, which isn't as high as the X-H2 series. Those are like 5.76. But do I notice the difference? No, I really don't. Okay. Just like your Z9 right. is that same three point whatever. And, and it's, it's just great. fine. Right? Yeah, it just looks fine. Yeah, it's it's just not a big deal. Resolution is one one thing, but refresh rate is almost more important. Yeah. Things like that. But there uh, are a few little things I'll mention and then I'll shut up. Um, one change that they did make with the XT5 is there is no longer a vertical grip option for it. Oh. That's only with the XH2 series. And to me, that's completely fine because I can't really envision using this camera with a vertical grip. I'd use something else. Yeah. You know, that would be longer lens photography and stuff. Typically, right. I mean, not that you couldn't use a grip for walk around, but generally if you're walking around, you want to shed weight, not gain it. Yeah. Um, and it, I'd rather have something smaller than, than bigger. Um, the other crazy thing at least superficially, is the electronic shutter in this thing. Mm -hmm. And it's true with the X-H2 also, which shares, shares that same 40 megapixel sensor, is it will go up to one 180,000th of a second, <laughs> which, which seems crazy in a lot of respects. That the, But there really is actually a reason for it, at least a reason I've come up with. I've never heard what Fuji says about it. But if you use some of their black and white film emulations, like their um, Acros one, that's pretty good. It does an interesting thing with the um, perceived grain in the image. This is for JPEGs. And you won't see a whole lot in the highlights, but you will see it in the shadows, very much like film. So if, you, if you're out shooting in bright sunlight and you want a wide aperture and you want that film grain look right that's where you can crank up the iso to get the grain and then use those ridiculously high electronic shutter speeds with them just for a creative look there's no other reason i can think of to have it <laughs> but that one is a valid thing well that's cool yeah, yeah any rate i, I, I think it's a nice camera looking across i want i want to like bring us back and kind of summarize because mm -hmm. um, you know since i had originally purchased an xt1 like you mentioned there's a far 
better selection of, of lenses. And all these cameras we talked about today are all using Fuji's X mount. Um, so, so the lenses should work between any of these mm -hmm. cameras. Um, and so um, what I had found at the time, and I don't think it's true anymore because you, you mentioned smaller uh, lenses, but when I added up the weight of my D750 or uh, no, that was a or D, D700 or something like that um, with the lenses that it would take, it really wasn't that much heavier than, than the X key one kit with, with its, you know, wide range zooms. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit smaller with the body, but, but everything else was about the same. And I said, well, it's easier for me mentally to just have one system that I'm sticking with and whatever. Mm -hmm. And again, but I always liked the quality of the glass and it was never a quality issue. It was more of just, mm -hmm. a, just um, what worked for me, but now you've got a lot of lenses. Um, much more mature across the lineup. Um, you know, they're not trying to confuse anybody by saying, well, should I get a 35 millimeter sensor or what about the crops? No, they, they, I like the fact that Fuji has said for their X mount, it's going to be <laughs> the APS-C sensor across the board. So all of their lenses are designed for that sensor rather than trying to decide, you know, which ones work better for, for other, other formats. Again, we're not talking about the medium format. It's an entirely different animal, um, yeah. different lens mount too. I would imagine. Um, mm -hmm. So, so you've got you've got some choices with with Fuji. You can go for a more traditional style of shooting, feel with the XT series, a little more compact, um, or you can go with the more modern kind of style with the XH series. So, just just to compare them, the XH two is forty megapixels. The at xh2s which is what you have is 26 megapixels but it's it's designed to be a fast camera right it's it's mm -hmm. more of an action sports mm -hmm. wildlife you know you shot it at the air show we went to that mm -hmm. was what you were what you were using so you've got differences and the and the price range of the xt5 slots in at about 1700 us uh, xh2 is about 2000 and the xh2s is about 2500 so mm -hmm. You know they're all priced reasonably well. I think for cameras in this class, I think yeah. it works out quite nicely. Um, and then, like you said, the 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 one thing that Fuji has always tried to do was hold on to their legacy of film emulsion, um, you know, emulations, you know, a Provia look or a Velvia look or whatever. And if that's something that you like, it's not a bad, no. not a bad option. No, especially for people for whatever reason just want to shoot in JPEG mode. Mm -hmm. It's probably the best system out there for that. And I seem to recall that Lightroom has some options to emulate those. Oh, yeah. Looks too. Now, there is one little thing we should probably mention with uh, when we're going to talk about Fuji, which is uh, we've talked about it before kind of in passing, but the, the, the X-Trans sensor that Fuji uses is a completely different sensor than what you would get from pretty much anybody else, which uses a Bayer mm -hmm. design. So there's the Bayer, and we're not going to get technical on it, but the, the bottom line is that with Fuji's, um, sometimes if you shoot in raw, you, you sometimes run into a little bit of hiccups to, between, not hiccups, differences between software that you use to demosaic your files to, to process the raws. I mean, they've gotten better, but for a long time, it was a hiccup with Fuji. If you had raw files, there wasn't really a great way to convert those files and get the maximum quality out of it, other than just using Fuji's own software. 
that's which was be- pretty poor. Yeah, and that's gotten better over the time. So, do you have a preference for when you process your your uh, Fuji Xtrans files, your raw files, with what what you like to use? I know Lightroom used to be one of the worst ones, but it's gotten much better. It's gotten there's, much better, and for routine, yeah, for routine stuff, that's what I I use. I just use Lightroom. Um, Capture One does a little bit better job, although it varies. Sometimes it can be the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a set of plugins that you can. Oh, and and DXO does a good job with Fujis now. For a long time, they just pretended they didn't exist and didn't support them, <laughs> okay. but now they do, and they do a good job. Um, but I think one of the best things is if you're already a Lightroom user, get a copy of the Iridian X Transformer. Um, plug-in. It's reasonably priced. It, it works very seamlessly with Lightroom, and it does a great job de-mosaicing the images. I'll just say that over time, I've been able to dial in some different sharpening settings mm-hmm. for X-Trans sensors and get to the point where it's pretty darn good for most images, and it would only be if I really planned on printing something large that I would care about doing um, something with that Iridium plugin, okay. but there are options. Yeah. No, and it's just it's just something to point out that they're using a, a radically different sensor design. Um, if you just compared- go with Lightroom defaults, you'll probably be a little bit disappointed compared to what you can get out of some other software. But well, that doesn't just, mean that you're stuck there, right? It's just good. It's good to know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that is our discussion for this week. We'll be back again with some other topics. If you want to suggest a topic for us to discuss, please drop us a note over on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors. And until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.